Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to an edition of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, we're going to talk about selling to the government. Uh, my special guest is Eileen Kent. Uh, she is the gov- selling to the government uh, guru, so we're going to have her online for a moment. So uh, let's take a station break real quick, uh, listen for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's. Just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Hi, uh, it's Tim Jacquet, your guest. Uh, we just lost a line connection, which is first time this has happened. Uh, what we're going to do real quick uh, is have her back on the line real quick, and uh, we can continue the show. Again, you listen to the Core Business Show, and we're going to take another uh, word from our sponsor real quick and be right back. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Eileen, welcome to the show. Thank you. You know, you know, it's kind of ironic. I should have a show that's called like Demons Online, <laughs> because it seems out of all the people I talk to across the board, I usually have somehow technical issues when I talk to you. So it must be something in the lines or something that it might be such a good show that nobody, uh, the system, don't want to hear it. But thank you for uh, joining the show this morning. 
Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you today. I guess, no, kind of bring us forward real quick. Uh, you've been a guest before uh, a few months ago. Kind of bring us to speed. Now, tell us about yourself. I know you're in Chicago with the uh, wonderful weather there. And just tell us about yourself. Thank you very much. Well, my name, as you know, is Eileen Kent, and I'm the president of a new woman-owned small business called Custom Keynotes. And you can find me at uh, customkeynotes.com. And mm-hmm. basically, my expertise is building and framing out sales action plans for corporations. And my sweet spot is federal sales action plans. And then I can also build it into a training program that is customized for you or your team. So um, if you need a little help on uh, federal sales and what to go after and what your message is going to be, I can build out a training program for you and your team, or I can just build a sales action plan for you. I can help your team learn how to uh, write proposals and develop content for that one-on-one. My background is I've trained over 10,000 people in the world of federal sales and proposal writing and GSA schedule um, applications. I used to work with a company called FedMarket.com, but as of April 1st, I broke out on my own, and a lot of companies are now coming to me one-on-one with a customized program that they can afford because these days, um, with the way the economy is, there are a lot of consultants or salespeople out there helping people with their federal sales uh, one-on-one in terms of charging six figures to do this or large... um, Um, percentages of your sales to do so. But what I do is I work one-on-one with your company at a very affordable rate. Um, It will feel like you have a federal executive um, on your team, an expert on your team that's full-time, but you're not paying that full-time rate. So I help build grassroots federal sales action plans. I help you hire people. I help you develop your message. And I help you go after the appropriate customers for you, one-on-one. So custom keynotes, and um, you can look me up. Eileen Kent, I'm all over LinkedIn and many of the discussion groups as well. Wow. Well, congratulations on your new business. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Well, we have someone in our court. Is it really difficult to sell to the government? Uh, that's that's such a loaded question because it really depends on the business, it depends on uh, the message, and it depends on what the government needs. If you were, for example, a let's say um, someone who was an expert at blocking hackers from getting into your computer and the government would find you because they know they need you at this point. Sometimes the government goes to companies and goes directly to them and plucks out some of your expertise and brings them in. But everybody dreams that's going to happen, Tim. <laughs> but the reality is, but the reality is, is just like in commercial, you have to have a focused salesperson or focused effort with a detailed message that's focused with an easy solution um, to a difficult problem that you can communicate easily, and you have some hurdles to jump over. The biggest hurdle is the incumbent that's already there that's been solving their problems for the last 10 years and trying to unseat them. 
So um, the government's very risk-averse. I would say the people on the inside are rather risk-averse. So they're not going to just choose you because you walked in the door and said, hi, there's going to be some, um, you have to prove that you're going to be the safe bet and that you're going to offer better products and services than the incumbent, and you need to teach them and convince them that you're better at these things and that you're a safe bet for the next step. So unseating the incumbent is very difficult. Incumbents typically um, maintain their customers 80% of the time with the feds. So um, as we'll talk today, maybe that competitor of yours that's the incumbent might become an old friend, a teaming partner, or what we now call a competimate. And maybe you can add to their team. So those are some things. uh, So is this market... Difficult to go after. Uh, I would say, in general, it's tough for a new um, newcomer because there's going to be an investment of time and effort of at least a year. So you need to put in or have a salesperson in there for at least a year. You might uncover a couple small deals, but you're not going to win those million and billion dollar contracts. They're going to try you out with small projects that are under the radar. So um, a lot of people go to a website called FedBizOps, FBO.gov, and they start searching their business term, let's say furniture or architecture, and they see all this opportunity in their backyard, and then they start writing proposals. Well, those proposal efforts can take four to six weeks, each proposal, and you're not going to win a federal opportunity just by writing a proposal. Your win rate's going to be 5% per proposal, And that doesn't mean every 20 proposals you're going to get one. You have a 5% win rate each time, which means next to nothing. So it's very difficult if you're trying to write a proposal and respond to something blindly. So it's going to take some sort of focused sales effort, a lot of research on what the government prefers buying and who they're working with, and a sales action plan that makes sense. But then you can't expect your federal sales team members to uncover business overnight. If you do, congratulations, you've you know won the lottery as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it usually takes, on average, a year or two to actually uncover and win a decent-sized project. Wow. Why is that? I mean, you know you talk about the incumbent. I mean, it is really, really difficult to... Just get a little piece of the pie. I mean, I'm sure. I've, I mean, I've done uh, contracts with bases, and I, I know it's all about a relationship, and mm-hmm. you have to prove yourself, and you do baby steps. But is it mm-hmm. really, really that difficult to try to inch out a little piece of business that the comet can't solve? Well, that's a that's a great question, Tim, because that little piece of business you're talking about is going to take that Colombo effort of investigating and figuring out what that little piece of the pie is Mm -hmm. and who's not supplying it and how can you solve it and who's responsible for changing or adding that change. You've got to find them too. And then you've got to find a a preferred method of purchasing, whether it's working with the current contractor that's there or utilizing a contract vehicle so they don't have to go up on FedBizOps to work with you. So this is going to take a Colombo effort to carve out that piece. Um, It's almost like surgery. 
So I would say having a consultant or an expert on your team at least available to you by the phone to help you try to uncover what that area is to carve out for yourself. Who is responsible for it? And is that even um, a decision that's being made in your backyard? Is it going to be made in D.C., in your backyard? Let's say you're calling on a base locally, for example. And um, let's say you're an IT company that specializes in, oh, let me throw um, a recent customer of mine. They're starting to uh, go after the federal government in deleting the data off of hard drives that are old, that they're going to throw out. Obviously, the government does not want to throw out hard drives with data in it, right, (laughs) put it in the trash because it's Mm -hmm. going to have critical data in it. So this particular company wipes the hard drives clean to to the core. That's their expertise. So how are they going to go after federal business and carve out that little niche piece? Well, they need to first figure out who the IT companies are that are in there serving the customer, who are the contracting officers that buy IT work, who are the end users or program managers or project managers on the IT team that's responsible for the hard drives, who's the disposal facilities person that gets rid of the hard drives, who's the green person that's responsible for getting the hard drives out. You have to uncover all these layers. Then you need to communicate your message and the fact that you're the best at what you do. And then they show some interest. They start sharing pain because they know you and trust you. This is just like commercial. Mm-hmm. And then you need to uncover, how would you buy this? Would you use the incumbent and their contract vehicle to buy this? Do I need to develop a relationship with them? Or are you going to use some sort of contracting vehicle like a GSA schedule? Are you going to use a small business set-aside because I'm a small business? Are you going to use an 8A or hub zone? These are all different contracting vehicles to keep it from going on FedBizOps. You've got to uncover all that. And, and if they want you, they will help you navigate those waters. If they don't want you, you're going to get general answers like go to FedBizOps. So this is in general some of the game that happens. And how is mm-hmm. this different than commercial? That's the demystification of this whole game is when you call on a commercial company, they have an incumbent they're working with that they're comfortable with. You got to go find the in this particular story the IT person making the decision. You need to find the contracting officer who needs to shop three. You need to communicate your expertise to them and the fact that you're the safest bet and that they're not going to get in trouble if you can't wipe that, you know. They don't want to have data go out on that computer to be thrown away. So you've got to show them your guarantees on how you do this. So mm-hmm. it's much like commercial in terms of it takes time to develop the trusting relationship But then the critical aspect is, how are they actually going to buy from you? And that's where everything goes into slow motion with the feds. Because the feds have to justify why they chose you. And they have to put it in writing and put it in a file that they can show the public and defend it. So that's where everything slows down. We're in commercial. They get out a credit card and buy from you. Hmm. So 
in, before we talk, start talking about the uh, different opportunities like uh, GSA schedules and mm-hmm. um, the certifications, is it easier, you know, do you normally just go and say, hey, you're a small business, here's a, an incumbent. Is it easier to, to say uh, on some situations, go to a combat and see if you can work a deal out first before you actually go go that route? I think and that's you, a great question. I think, again, unfortunately, the famous answer to almost every question in federal sales is it depends. It depends mm-hmm. on what you sell. It depends on the size of your company in some of those little niche market areas, which we'll talk about later. Are you um, 8A? Are you a service-disabled veteran? Are you a woman-owned business? Are you a disadvantaged woman-owned business? Does that incumbent need to meet some of those small business goals? And have they met those small business goals in your niche? So do they need you? Uh, the next question is, is, do you already have a relationship with that base or agency and they want you, and then you go to the large prime and say, I have this piece of business. If I have this piece of business, they're going to pay a lot more attention to me as a small business. May I borrow your contracting vehicle to get in with this agency because I have this piece of business for us. They're going to pay a lot more attention to you than you banging on their door saying, hi, I'm small, do business with me. So bringing uh, value to the large primes, whether it's, your small business, uh, just your designation that they haven't met, that's some value. But if you Mm -hmm. have a relationship with the base or agency that they're also working with and you actually have a piece of business in hand or some critical information, they're going to really pay attention to you. It's like it's going in with a gift rather than asking for a handout. So strategically, that's smart. Now, I am working with another company right now that um, is very interesting. They do motor repairs, and I guess there's a new word for that for me, rewinding. So they take huge motors and they repair them and make them brand new again. And they're a brand new company, not a brand new company in terms of their existence. They've been around forever, but in selling to the Fed. So they approached me and said, Eileen, we want to know if there's even business in what we offer. So the first step that I do as a consultant for people is I look at what their competitors are up to. So I asked this company, who do you think your competitors are? And they gave me their three top competitors, and I did some searches to find out what those competitors are up to. And surprisingly enough, only one of the three that they thought were their competitors was actually working with the feds. So that one we did further um, further research and were able to uncover where they were doing business in the government. But then I also did more competitive analysis to find out who their real competitors are in the feds. So you find out who their real competitors are, and they, and they uncovered that two of these companies that we would consider competitors were, were already currently partners of theirs. So how easy is that? You do a re- you do some research and you find out that your current customers are already doing business with the pets. So their first order of business was to call on those two customers first and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. we're interested in doing business with feds. You're already in there. We can see you're doing work at ABC agency. Can we do some of your sub work because we're small? We'll help you meet those goals." Talk about low-hanging fruit. 
So, wow. yes, I agree with you. I think working with primes is a is the low-hanging fruit in terms of um, first order of business for a small business because they already have those contracting vehicles. They already have the past performance, and they already have the um, relationship with the agency already set in place. But you might be able to do, you might have already had a relationship with that, that incumbent commercially. So that's the first order of business is seeing what your competitors are up to and see if you can develop teaming partnerships and what I call competitors. Second order of business is to look at where they're doing business, what agencies, what bases, and I usually take a map of where you're located and I zoom in on local first. Because if you're a small local business um, calling on the local base, you have a little bit of an advantage because they're politically motivated to working with you first. Not that you're going to hit them over the head with that, but that's going to give you some advantage in terms of I'm a small local business, and you, you know if you spend dollars locally, that's good for everybody. So wow. Um, so I zoom in also on the territory, and there are a lot of consultants out there that say, open an office in D.C. if you're planning on going after the feds. I'm sure you've heard that a couple times on your radio Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm about to save you $5 million. You do not <laughs> have to open a biz- You do not have to open an office in D.C. to be rich and famous in federal sales. 20% of the federal budget is spent in D.C., the rest of it everywhere else. So why not sell in your own backyard, especially if you're west of the Mississippi because the competition falls off the map. If you're in D.C., everybody in D.C. is an incumbent and has played the game for years. Why would you go into the piranha pit? <laughs> your competitors are already rocking over there. Why not go where your competitors aren't, which is in your backyard, which you already have an advantage, and or in your region, which they would consider local as well. If you're the only, for example, this motor rewind repair company, if you're the only motor repair company in um, in like 10 counties of your state and there's a couple bases within those counties, you're local. But if you're the only motor repair company that does certain types of motors in a five-state region, now you got all those bases and you're the local. So, again, depends. Wow. Tell us the steps of, uh, I know you worked with GSA schedules. Tell our audience about what is a GSA schedule. I'm glad you asked because um, I actually, um, I, I want to just kind of, do you mind if I take a step back sure. and start with what the heck is GSA? Mm-hmm. Okay, GSA, there's three things about GSA that small businesses and large businesses need to understand. First of all, the acronym is General Services Administration. And I'm going to probably take a step even further back on why the heck they were even created. Um, According to the Federal Acquisition Regulation, any purchase over $25,000 needs to be posted at FedBizOps. FedBizOps is FBO.gov, so feel free to go up there and take a look at all the opportunities up there. Anything over 25000 goes on FedBizOps. But FedBizOps itself has even um, reported that it takes up to 269 days, Tim, to award a wow. contract. 
25 k that's not even an electric car, is it? Why? It's so amazing why it takes so long. Yeah, and what if they're in an emergency? Think of Katrina, ice, helicopters, um, you know, buses, emergency supplies. All of them, all of those buys are over 25k, right? You put mm-hmm. that on FedBizOps, 269 days. Are you kidding me? The reason why is it's so public that everybody and their brother, you know, sends in a proposal. And then it gets munged up in the wheels because people start protesting the winners. And that stops the project cold. So I've got a nickname for FedBizOps, which is um, the Raging River of Rules. Think of you as a business on one side of a raging river and the contracting officer on the other side. She needs your services. Her end user is telling her she needs you, they need you, they need you now. And she's looking at this raging river of rules, this 269 days of paperwork and justification and public scrutiny and angry loser protesters fighting her for something that she only needs to buy that's over 25K. So I've nicknamed FedBizOps the raging river of rules because it's very difficult for her to get to you. Enter the General Services Administration. They were developed right after World War II to allow the contracting officer to buy products, and, products which were like commodities, pens, pencils, mm-hmm. desks, chairs, etc. GSA was asked to go to the commercial marketplace and negotiate reasonable prices for commodities so that all the contracting officer had to do was use um, these contractors who have been awarded a GSA schedule. Schedule is an awful word. It should be priceless. It's a number that you've been approved that your prices are fair and reasonable. So contracting officers were able to utilize these approved vendors by GSA, the General Services Administration, and just get three bids and go. So that was revolutionized GSA in the 90s, Tim. They added services. So besides products, they've added engineering um, services, such as you know, a mechanical engineer for the rate of $100, $200, $300 an hour, whatever the hourly mm-hmm. rate is. So then it allows a company to put services and products together and to actually perform a solution-based proposal And the rules, which you need to know, it's FAR Rule 8.4, FAR Rule 8.4. So if you go to USA.gov or you just go to Google and type in FAR 8.4, you can look up the rules for GSA schedules. Every agency can use a GSA schedule. Every agency can buy from businesses that have their pre-approved pricing. And what this means is products, under 25K, that's a lot of products, don't you think? A lot of electrical mm-hmm. components, some cars, ice, etc. cetera. Um, under 25K, GSA has developed a website called GSA Advantage, and buyers can go to GSA Advantage and click and buy, which means they can buy sole source up to 25K from businesses that are pre-approved for their products. For services... Under 25K. So let's say, for example, um, I don't know, uh, you offer, your company offers a training program and it's $1,000 a person. 
if it's under $25,000, they can look at the syllabus of two other training companies. They can review the price list of those two other training companies and choose you, sole source. They just have to review two others if you're a service. Under 25K. Now, here's the nuance. Over 25K, what was the other way of buying, Tim, over 25K? FedBiz Ops? Fed Biz Ops, which is the Raging River of Rules, 269 days of nightmare. If you buy on GSA schedule, over 25K, three bids, and you're done from GSA schedule holders, three competitors that Hmm. do the same thing. So there's been some new nuances. One is eBuy, which is GSA's own internal by Fed Biz Ops, they actually go, for example, if you're a roofing contractor and you have mm-hmm. a schedule for roofing and they're looking to put a green roof on, they will get the category green roof and they will post it for only green roof vendors can bid on this that are approved on GSA. So they have a thing okay. called eBuy that invites you. But as long as they get three written bids, they can make a decision. This process has taken the 269 days of nightmare to 14 days on average. And $39 billion is going through GSA schedules each year, quietly. So I gave you the picture of the raging river of rules. Contracting Mm -hmm. officers have to dive into this raging river of rules if it's over 25K, 269 days of hell. GSA, consider GSA... A bridge. We just made it easy for them to avoid the public bid process by having a GSA schedule. So the first step of GSA, this agency that I want to generally talk to you about, GSA itself has contracting officers and administrators that negotiate with vendors, you and me, on whether you're capable of doing these products, whether your pricing is appropriate, and they negotiate your rates, and they manage your contract. So that's one side of GSA. Are the contracting officers that you're applying for a schedule? We'll talk about applying for a schedule in a minute. Another section of GSA is their federal acquisition services. These are people that are hired by the agencies to buy on their behalf if the agencies don't have the contracting teams to do it. Mm-hmm. So what do you think those federal acquisition people, where are they going to go first to get products and services? They're going to get it from GSA schedule holders. Yeah, schedules. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have federal acquisition services. So there's GSA, the contracting officers that manage the contracts and approve the vendors and make sure that they're compliant and following the rules. And then you have the federal acquisition services people that are that are being asked by the agencies to help them find this, find that, get me some ice, get me helicopters. So they actually um, ask those federal acquisition people to help them. They work for GSA as well. Then there's a third section of GSA called Public Building Services, PBS. Have you heard of PBS? No. Public Building Services is the real estate manager and agent for all the federal buildings. Wow. So this would be like the Jones Lang LaSalle 
or the C.B. Richard Ellis or the Charles E. Smith of mm-hmm. the of the government world. They manage all the federal courthouses and all the federal buildings, and they have real estate agents for those buildings. They have architects that manage those buildings. They have program managers and project managers that manage moves. They have tenant coordinators in there, and they have green engineers, and they have um, continuity of operations plan people, those people in case there's a disaster in that building. They have security people. They have property managers. They have building managers. They have superintendents. They are facility managers. So GSA's public building services manages every federal building. So, for example, they're broken out in regions. So if you were in, let's say, where I am, I'm in Chicago, um, they have a regional office in Chicago and Illinois that manages five states. So at the Dirksen Building, downtown Chicago, they have a GSA office, public building services, that manages five states of real estate. And then in each of those states, there's a service center. And each of those service centers are property managers and program managers managing the five or six or ten buildings in their state. Mm-hmm. and making sure that the people in there are safe and comfortable and moved around. They're managing all the construction projects, and they're managing all of the um, tenant moves and the green projects in all of the buildings. So GSA also manages all the federal buildings, which is huge opportunity for GSA schedule holders because, of course, public building services are going to lean toward GSA schedules And one of the shockers that I had selling to the feds nationwide to facilities is public building services does not necessarily use GSA schedules. So that's a shocker. But they use, they they might work with GSA schedule holders, but they might use a different bridge or contracting vehicle. But the GSA schedule actually makes you legitimate. So there are three wow. areas of GSA. You have the contracting. I'm going to review this again. You have the contracting team that's approving your schedule and managing you. They're totally separate from the people that are buying products and services on behalf of agencies. In fact, GSA charges for that services to the agencies. So if you're calling on an agency with your GSA schedule, the agency might buy directly from you, but they also might utilize GSA's federal acquisition team. So you, they need to know you as well. Okay. And then also you have the public building services side of things that it's managing the buildings. So GSA is a big, big agency separated out. And it's made of, you know, a great, a great group of people, despite what the news says. Um, GSA is built with wonderful people. I've been calling on them wow. for years. If a person wants to look at getting a getting on schedule, uh, is it a really mm-hmm. difficult process? Great. Or I'm glad it... you asked me that question. Great question. Did you want to finish your question? I'm sorry. I inter- no, no, that's fine. You. No, that's it. Okay. Um, well, the first thing is that I would do if I was working with you is, do you really need a GSA schedule? There are some services out there that, that there's not even a GSA schedule for. Um, For example, you cannot build a building. You cannot do construction. You cannot build a building on a GSA schedule. Um, You can, however, manage the money for building a building. 
that is construction management services that there's a schedule for. But um, mm-hmm. the first question is, is do you really need a GSA schedule to do business with the feds? What I typically do is I look at my competitors and see if they are on GSA schedule. So it's easy to do. You can just go to gsa.gov, and you can click on um, a little button they have there called e-library. Again, let me say e-library. And you can type in your competitor's name, or you can just put in the type of service or product that you offer and see what pops up. So the first thing is, is who are your competitors on schedule, and is there even a schedule for your business? So those are the two things you need to look at. And then when you see your competitor on schedule, did you know, um, Tim, that you can actually find out at gsa.gov how much money your competitors are selling to the feds? Did you know that there's a free way to do that? So I'm going to give you how to do that. If you go to gsa.gov and you go to their little search window in the corner, you type in schedule sales query report and you can generate reports on GSA contractors and how much they've sold on schedule now there's 11 types of reports and as a consultant I can help you decipher that information and uncover it but you can do it too for free gsa.gov schedule sales query report and you can either type in your competitor's name to see what they've sold through their schedule now it can't go down to the component but you can get some general numbers which is very, I think the intelligence is good because if there is a GSA schedule, are people actually selling through it? Um, quick story, I helped a um, roofing company over the course of 18 months capture $65 million in federal roofing. Wow. When I first joined them, they had zero sales on their schedule. Out of the $65 million that we closed, only two of it was on schedule. So I want to say something clearly. When you're looking at these numbers, that isn't a final number. That's just a drop in the ocean of what that incumbent is doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the other rest of our, you know, I said $65 million, only two was on schedule. The rest of it was through competitive and teaming partners and other contracting vehicles. But a GSA schedule itself establishes you and your pricing as a leader and committed to the um, government. But at least you can get a general idea of what's being sold in your business through schedules and what your Mm -hmm. competitors are doing. So I think it's a good idea to do your homework and do that Colombo work, which is to look at what your competitors are up to. Second thing you need to ask yourself is, are your customers asking you if you have a GSA schedule? So if you're going out to the agencies already and talking to them and they start saying, do you have a GSA schedule, and you start hearing that over and over again, you need to take note of that and realize you need to get a schedule or partner with someone who has, which that's also an opportunity. You can borrow someone else's bridge. Did you know that? Wow. You have to pay toll. You have to give them a piece of the business, (laughs) but you can borrow their bridge. So there's that also that opportunity to possibly partner with other people on schedule. If you bring them a piece of business, they're going to be much more open to that. Um, so I would say it, what's good about having a GSA schedule is it establishes you and your commitment to the government. And it also shows you have what it takes 
in terms of the appropriate business practices, past performance, financial capabilities, and pricing. It is very difficult these days getting a GSA schedule, and it's getting even more difficult. Tim, have you been seeing in the news lately that GSA is going to be eliminating some contractors off schedule? Have you read anything about that? No. Wow. Yes. Why? Well, remember that first group I was telling you about at GSA, the contracting officers and the specialists that are approving people on schedule and managing mm -hmm. the contracts and taking care of the contractors? Remember that group? Mm -hmm. Well, that group costs money to manage those contracts. And there are about 19,000 companies on GSA schedule right now. So you've got a huge number of people that are managing these contracts. Well, the shocker is half of those vendors, Tim, have sold zero on schedule. So they have these bridges and nobody's using them. So GSA has all these people managing these contracts that aren't even being used because the contractors are not standing up their sales team and getting in the field. They're just sitting in their offices waiting for the orders. <clears throat> so these days, the first thing that's happening is GSA is considering dropping those people with zero sales. So if you've had your schedule for two years, you're going you're gonna to need to develop a sales action plan pretty quickly. So talk to me about it because you need to save your schedule. Because they might do across-the-board cuts. And you so want to save you your schedule in the plan. Pardon so me? if you haven't sold anything in two years, they right. have the option to drop you in the past, but they never, they didn't, but now they are. Right. You have two years, those first two years of your schedule, you have to sell at least 25000 through it, or they'll drop you. And, you know, they've been very politically nice about it. They're not going to be anymore. Wow. Because they can't afford having these contracting officers on board Managing your contract is bringing them nothing. And I want to give you another nuance of GSA. GSA is what they call a self-funded agency. And what that means is taxpayers don't pay for GSA. The contractors do. For every dollar you sell through your schedule, you give them a little bit less than a penny, 0.75%. You're paying every quarter. So they're trying to be self-sustaining. If you're not selling through your schedule, you're wasting time and money for them. So this is an opportunity for new businesses. Think about it. They could do across-the-board cuts, which means you can get in on the action. But you better go in with a strong proposal to GSA because they're going to be saying, well, we've dropped a bunch of people. What do you have to offer that's different? And are you going to market it because you need to show us that you're going to sell through this thing. Well, they're, so they're also going to right and they're also um they're also going to consider older schedules like furniture, they're going to be extra careful about bringing on new people because they believe it's oversaturated. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be dropping old um schedules that have to do with typewriters, things that are obsolete they're going to start dr dropping some of those schedules altogether. I imagine they'll probably consolidate them under others without getting too many people upset. But um, the first and foremost is challenging the ones 
that haven't been meeting their sales. I think that's going to be the first. And anybody that is listening to this program that has a schedule and is at risk, I would say build your sales action plan and be ready to defend. Please don't drop me. I would preempt that. Okay. I would. And that's where, again, I could help a company one-on-one to help with that. I have but, three questions right quick. Um, great. The first question is someone's asking if they haven't sold anything, can they actually sell their schedule? Or do they have to sell their entire business? Oh, you know, I would you sell your schedule? I don't think you can hand your schedule to somebody else. If you sold your business... Um, to somebody else, your schedule can go with it. But just okay. to let you know, GSA is a um, that's when it could trigger a little audit. So I, I mean, you're just gonna either lose your schedule altogether. Um, will that hurt your business? Maybe, maybe not. It depends. Again, not everybody buys using a GSA schedule, so it might not hurt your mm-hmm. business if you lose it. Um, but if this is something you spend a lot of money getting, don't let it fall to the wayside. Try to save it if you can. Okay. Also, there was a, there's a question here uh, from a magazine article, and I remember seeing this uh, years ago. Uh, by having a GSA schedule, there's a value that uh, perceived to bring your business, uh, even though that you have all this opportunity, is a lot easier and I remember years ago that uh, one of the people in the office asked me this. They said they read something that now instantly with a GSA contract brings your company worth $250,000. Is that a true statement? Is, uh, it, having a GSA the value, schedule brings you $250,000 to your business? No, not to bring it, but actually add value to your business. I I don't know. I guess, again, I hate to say it. It probably depends mm-hmm. on your business. If there's only three of you on schedule, your chances of winning are higher. But if you're on the IT schedule, there's like 5,000 vendors. Eh? You know, I guess it depends. I think the big issue is do you have contracts with the agencies that have actual money? Because this is just a contract vehicle. It's just a bridge. It's not guaranteed business. Okay. Uh, another question is regarding mass schedules. Are there combined schedules? I guess they alluding to as a whole paragraph here. Are there? Uh, I remember hearing something about express schedules, mass schedules. Are there uh, combined schedules or mass express schedules? I think it's two questions then. Multiple award schedules that are express. I don't know. I don't know the content of that question. You could okay. be, have a teaming partner and bring schedules together to bundle a, a solution. Certainly, um, there used to be the corporate schedule, which you could bring several together. But they're really mm-hmm. trying to put companies under separate schedules. And okay. um, I know you asked. I know you asked me a question earlier, which I didn't fully answer. So I'm going to hit on this very quickly because I don't want to miss this today. Which is obtaining a schedule. You have three choices, actually four. You could do it yourself, or which is very very painful. Um, will probably take you six months to a year to actually try to fill out the paperwork yourself. Um, there is a free service called the Procurement Technical Assistance Center, PTAC. 
You, again, you can go to Google and type in PTAC and look up your local PTAC. They are funded by your state and DOD, and some of them are pretty good at filling out schedules, but again, they're a free service, and they're working with a lot of different companies. So you having a government grantee help you with your schedule, I don't know, but it is a free service. So just want to let you know okay. that's out there. Um, you could attend a class or a workshop, which many consultants offer. So you could actually be filling it out yourself with experts over your shoulder. I recommend that because then you're involved in it and you know all about it, which I think is a good idea. Or best case scenario, if you have ten dollars to $50,000 available and you don't have a resource, get a consultant to do it for you. They'll do all the negotiating and everything for you and they'll fill out the paperwork. Of course, you're going to have homework. You're going to have to give them your past performance. You're going to have to give them your financials, and they'll package it together, and they'll negotiate your GSA schedule. You still have to do homework because they won't know. You know, They can't do it by osmosis. You have to answer some questions. Um, but they will be able to negotiate it. And they have relationships at the, at the GSA area, which can make things go a little bit smoother. Um, obtaining a schedule, there's way too many steps for me to discuss here, but I'm just going to go over mm -hmm. a couple generals for you, Tim. You need to have two to three years of experience and financials and prove it. It depends on the schedule that you're going after, whether it's two or three. You must have some past performance stories. You must prove if you're selling products, the country of origin, obviously they don't want anything from China. Um, letters of supply from your manufacturer that says, yes, you, you can sell this on schedule. You're going to need to have proved price lists and invoices. Um, invoices specifically if you're selling services, they need mm -hmm. to see your hourly rates through invoices. Um, okay. You need to be on central contractor registration, ORCA. You need to have a DUNS number. You need to have uh, NAICS codes, which are uh, North American industry classification codes. Um, you need to prove that you're small or large. And the most important thing is, which is the center of all GSA audits, you need to disclose all of your pricing and all of your discounting policies. You need to disclose your most favored customer, which is the person who got your, pro your product or service at the lowest rate. Mm -hmm. And this is where a consultant can save the day for you and help explain away why you may not be able to offer most favored customer because it would put you out of business. So mm -hmm. the consultant will help you negotiate a customer that's most like GSA in terms and conditions and at a rate that's reasonable that you can live with. So that's okay. a nuanced area where I would say a consultant can help you. So wow. talk to a consultant, take a class, tr try not to do this by yourself. GSA wants you to because then you don't know how to negotiate and you'll cave on your rates. So you need a, a rate you can live with for the next few years. So um, I would say, <laughs> and, how long you and again, if you want to talk to me offline about that, I personally am not offering services for GSA schedules, but I will point you in the right direction to great people who can't. Because my expertise is helping you with your federal sales action plan and your focused uh, strategy. That's what I would rather be working with you on. Perfect. Anything else you'd like to add uh, regarding your company and services and how we can contact you, 
Oh, thank you. And there's so much more to talk about in terms of sales. Maybe we can talk about that down the road with you, Tim. Sure. Um, but uh, if we just have a moment or two, I just want to hit on a couple of opportunities. Large companies um, are letting large numbers of salespeople go because they're seeing the federal opportunities fade. And this is a perfect mm-hmm. opportunity for you as a small business to either hire some of these salespeople or get in and sell yourself. The government is very much pushing for small business these days. So that's going to put you on the front end of opportunities. Um, They are always going to be buying IT solutions. They're going to the cloud, emergency response and recovery type of things. Um, Call on your local military base, your local VA and GSA building, and I can help you with that. Custom keynotes can either train you how to build your own action plan or I can build it for you and help you implement it one-on-one and spoon-feed you along the way. So either way, feel free to visit customkeynotes.com or call me directly at 312-636-5381. People have nicknamed me in the business as the Federal Sales Sherpa. And if you don't know what a Sherpa (laughs) is, it's a member of the Tibetan people living on the high southern slopes of the Himalayas in eastern Nepal. And they're known for providing support for foreign trekkers in the mountain climb. And going after federal business is like climbing a mountain. It takes a plan, equipment, people, and experts guiding you, helping you navigate this dangerous terrain. So if it's not me, somebody, there are plenty of people like me out there that can help you speed up the process. Don't do this alone. And feel free to call me anytime. I'd love to help you out. Okay, I do have like a one quick question, real quick. Great. Uh, so I have like a minute. You know, sure. the the the, company, uh, the federal government uh, is talking about downsizing, um, and yet, of course, you know, the fiscal year is going to end in the next couple of months. So, I mean, next couple of months, which still won't make a difference because they still have to get a budget, and they can't make a lot of cuts. What do you see where we're going to be? Is just really unknown. There's no way they can cut out GSA. They can't cut out the purchasing plans. Uh, How do you see how they're going to be streamlining uh, government business in the future? Uh, Great. I think that they are using the online tools a lot more, um, a lot more, but they're still going to write the bid with a specific product or service in mind because they're not going to just be able to pick anybody on price these days because they need quality. Mm -hmm. And you need to sell your qualities and your best values to them. Uh, yes, the government is going to be buying probably 10 to 15% less than they did in the past, but we're talking going from trillions to billions, okay? Every second, the government is buying $2.5 million. That's a year for you and me of business. <laughs> so if you can <laughs> capture one second of their buying attention, you're going to be fine. So don't let the news freak you out. A focused sales action plan with a relationship with a customer who needs your products and services, your niche product and service, there is always opportunity with the feds. They have to spend their budget each year. So it's up to you to be Columbo to find that little niche area and be the best at what you do. And that's where people like you, Tim, and I can help them. 
Fair enough. I'm going to have to bring you back next month because we're in the last two months of the fiscal year. Maybe we can uh, advise businesses what they need to do in these final 60 days of the uh, uh, of the government fiscal year. Well, that would Aline, be great. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show again. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you, and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, it's been another production of the Core Business Show. It's Tim Jacquet, your host. You can download this episode on iTunes on Block Talk Radio. Thank you for listening, and take care. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.